Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Exploration Marriage Podcast. My name is Kenny. I'm Kenzie. And uh, we are super excited for the show today. Uh, I guarantee you it's going to be a great one. Uh, there's going to be a lot of personal stuff talked about today. <laughs> Very personal. <laughs> Very personal. Um, for those of you who uh, are wondering what this podcast is going to be about, or at least this episode is going to be about, it's going to be about communication of marriage with a veteran or first responder spouse. And it's not just going to be communication. It's going to kind of be a living with, dealing with, and communicating with. Yeah. So uh, this is an episode that is very near and dear to my own heart and my own personal experience, which uh, we'll get into here in uh, just a few minutes. But before we do that, I do want to uh, go ahead and plug the social media. So Kenzie, if you'll go ahead. We do have a Facebook group and Facebook page that you can find us on, just Exploration Marriage. Go ahead and request to join and we'll accept you. Um, we also have our Twitter, which is ExplorationMar1. And you can go ahead and follow us on there as well. Absolutely. Uh, Facebook and Twitter groups, we're always looking to expand our listener base and our audience. And uh, what we understand about this entire process is that it's for us. It's for all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it works best when we all kind of take part in it. We may do the podcast, but uh, everybody's voice really counts and matters in, in these groups. And we'd like to hear from you. Yeah, we enjoy the par- participation. Participation. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we also have a Patreon for those of you who are feeling especially generous and would like to help support the show and uh, all the great things that we're trying to do and accomplish here. And uh, you can find us on Patreon at Exploration Marriage. Um Real easy, should be able to find us. And you can subscribe to one of the tiers. Um, and if you do that, we are going to uh, bless you with some additional content that other other folks may not necessarily get. Um, but as you know, as we grow, as our listener base grows and our social media presence grows, uh, we're going to continue thinking of, of new ideas, ways to uh, expand the show and uh, what I would consider to be uh, better ideas for uh, topics and, and things to do. Exactly. So uh, with all of that done, I hope I hope all of you have had a fantastic week. I hope all of you are having a, a great day. Um, I'm sure you've missed our voices as we <laughs> didn't put out a podcast last week. Yeah, we didn't put out a podcast last week. Uh, unfortunately, life happens and things kind of get in the way. And uh, we we had other things, other obligations that we had to take care of. And we don't like to skip weeks, but sometimes it's necessary. So we do apologize for that and uh, hope that you guys will forgive us and continue to bear with us. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, right now it is currently snowing here and the weather is extremely cold yeah. so Kenzie and I are both looking forward to uh getting this getting this podcast on so we can go eat some soup <laughs> eat some soup and and stay warm uh so all that being said which I guess is a bunch of jibber jabber <laughs> but all that being said I hope you guys are doing great and uh we, we really do want to hear from you. I, I can't stress that enough. I, I want the feedback from the people that are listening to this podcast. 
so we know what we're doing that that's good and we can eliminate the things that we're doing that maybe aren't so good. Yeah. Maybe change the some things up. goods and bads. But we'll leave that to you guys. And if you reach out, great. If not, it's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So today's topic is going to be communication and marriage with a veteran or a first responder. And this episode, you'll probably hear a lot more of Kenny talking and that's just because he has a lot more to say on this topic. Yeah, I, I'm the man with all the knowledge here <laughs> on this topic. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're going to be talking about the, uh, the veteran first responder. Now, I myself am not a first responder. Um, and when I say first responder, I'm talking about firefighter, police officer, EMT, EMS, you know, anybody really on the front lines, um, people that work in hospitals, doctors, nurses, things of that nature. People who deal with traumatic situations, situations, jobs, things of that nature. Now, me personally, I, I am a veteran. I served uh, in the United States Army for 10 years uh, in many different capacities. But um, I did do a couple of deployments overseas um, and, you know, have some firsthand knowledge about some of the stuff that we're going to talk about. Um, so I guess we're just going to get into it. Yep. All right. So to give you guys the uh, kind of lay of the land, Kenzie and I spent some time talking about this podcast and because we wanted to make it as personal as possible. And the reason why is because we have a, a plethora of experience between the two of us. And this is just one of the biggest things that sticks out like a sore thumb in our marriage is the issues that I brought into this marriage because of my military service. And when I say issues, I don't want that to be considered a negative term, but it, it is stating that there are pre-existing elements, elements uh, of my life that are a, a part of our marriage now that we both have to come to terms with. She married me. My burdens are now her burdens and vice versa. Right. We take that on together. Yep. So... <clears throat> Here's a quick background. All right. Uh, 10 years uh, active duty, United States Army. I joined in, in 2006, served in the infantry for six years and did my first combat deployment to Afghanistan in 2009 with the 5th Striker Brigade out of Fort Lewis, Washington. Woo -woo, go Buffaloes. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we had a very rough deployment, uh, one that I, I will not go into a lot of detail about, but we did have quite a lot of KIAs. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with that term, it's uh, killed in action. We had a lot of guys that, uh, that were killed during that deployment. We also had a lot of guys that were wounded during that deployment. And um, there's a lot, of, a lot of really, really difficult things came out of that deployment. Um, so moving past that, once I was done with my deployment to Afghanistan, I moved on to a, another more technical position in the military and I went to work for the army space and missile defense program. And I, um, also did a deployment there with them, uh, of which, you know, you, you see things. You deal with things in many different capacities in the military, and they all have their their own merits and their own problems. 
So there were some things that I experienced when I was with the Army Space and Missile Defense Command that uh, were, were pretty disturbing. But uh, to say the least. To say the least. But you know, my my military service. It, you know, I I've, I've done my time overseas. You know, a lot of what military service culminates in is a lot of training, a lot of time away from your families. You know, a lot of time away from your loved ones. You know, time spent overseas, especially when you're in time of war and conflict, you know, you're going to you're going to deploy, you're going to go overseas. Um, all of that has a, a very large effect on your life. And the longer you stay in, the more you kind of I don't want to say you build a tolerance to the lifestyle, but you do. You do accumulate quite a bit of baggage when you're in the military and uh it can, it can be both good and bad. I, I will say that there, there is no one right answer here, but there are a lot of things that can come out of military service. And what I would assume that first responders are also going to deal with, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, very intense situations. Right. Um, so my military service ended in 2017. I got out. I, uh, basically, I, I washed my hands of it all. I, I was proud to have the experience. I was proud to have served in the military, but um, I was I was also very eager to uh, move on with my life. And so that is what I did, or at least that's what I thought I did, or I tried to do. <laughs> but little do uh, little do a lot of people realize or know, you know, the cost of service associated with the many um, crazy things that you're going to see throughout throughout your time in service. Um, but just like anything else, you know, any other very intense job, you know, 90% of it is, is extremely boring or extremely frustrating. And 10% of it is just, it's out of your mind. Crazy. Chaos. You know? Yeah. It's just chaos. So over the years that I was in the military, I um, observed quite a lot of different behaviors, both in myself and people around me. And a lot of those I call simply coping mechanisms to the lifestyle. You know, when you have people working in jobs where there is um, great loss of life or potential for great loss of life, it puts a lot of stress and strain on an individual. Yeah. High stress situations. And, um, those high stress situations can cause people to look for different outlets and, and ways to cope to that lifestyle. And in the military, unfortunately, a lot of it is drinking and tobacco use. There are various other outlets, but I mean, those are pretty common. Yeah. The, those two are, are really more of the, the most common that you're going to see. Um, but me personally, I, I drank a lot and it took me a very long time to understand just how detrimental my alcohol abuse was. It took the, the ground literally <laughs> falling out from underneath me, not literally figuratively, I guess, <laughs> falling out from underneath me and uh, me kind of tumbling my way down to the bottom, so to speak, uh, for me to realize just how, how much I had to lose. 
and, and just how much, you know, the, the drinking was affecting my life. I think maybe this is just from my perspective for you, but the fact that you're, you were around so many people who had the same habits probably made it harder for you to recognize as well. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's definitely an environment, a right. culture that's kind of created around, you know, the, they, they call it the, um, it, it's, it's a, a brotherhood right. almost, you know, and, and so it, it's camaraderie. It's you getting together with your, with your, um, platoon mates, you know, your squad mates, um, and you guys get together, you drink, you barbecue, you laugh, you joke, you have fun, you do all sorts of crazy things. And, uh, you wake up the next day and you start asking questions like, uh, does anybody know what I did last night? Mm-mm. You know? So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of black spots, you know, that come along with it too. And, and I'm not saying that everybody who's in the military, you know, I'm not saying that everybody that's in the military acts this way. Right. Um, I, am not saying that it's, it's something that everybody needs to be worried about, but it, there, there is a culture that's kind of built around it, you know, that camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can go many different ways, but for me, it was the alcohol, it was the tobacco, it was, you know, me filling all of those different voids, you know, just drinking and smoking and, and dipping and all of that, you know, that different stuff, you know, you're, you're always looking for ways to kind of supplement Right. You know, um, but again, you know, it, it took me kind of taking a, a nice tumble and fall to see the damage that was really being done and to make some conscious decisions to change my lifestyle and to move away from all of that stuff for the better, for the betterment of my family and for myself as well. Mm-hmm. And selfishly, if I, you know, if I can say this honestly, selfishly, I did it a lot more for myself. I was terrified about what was going to happen to me if I kept doing the things that I was doing. No, but that's, that's fine though too. I think if it's just to better yourself, it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, you know, selfish as it may seem, you know, doing it for myself is also doing it for you, for the family, for everybody else, you know, um, especially the people that rely on me to be a responsible individual. And I can't do that if, you know, I'm spending my time doing other things, drinking yeah, and, and the likes. But, um, it was, it was to the point I, Kenzie brought it up, you know, cause maybe I just didn't realize how bad it was, but it was to the point where I was, I was drinking what Jack at 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, Jameson at 10 in the morning. Jameson. Yeah. I I was drinking. I was, it doesn't matter what it was. I was drinking early in the day just so I could get through the day. And then I would come home and I would drink more, you Mm -hmm. know, and alcohol really took up a large portion of my time. Right. And, um, not to say the least it, it, it has serious effects on your relationship. And, um, it's, it's not, a great look, you know, it doesn't look good for you. You know, people, people around you are expecting you to live up to a certain standard. You have responsibilities as a husband, as a father, uh, as a wife, as a mother, you know, what, whatever, whatever your role may be, right. You have responsibilities. And if you're not meeting your responsibilities because you're doing other things to make yourself feel good, it's not okay. You know, 
And what I didn't realize was there were things that I were, I, I, I was trying to cover up. There were things that I, I was using that alcohol for and basically kind of self-medicating. Yeah. And I didn't even realize it, you know, at the time I knew, I knew that I had some issues. I knew that I had some problems. I, I didn't really quantify it in any specific way, but I knew that I had some issues and I was trying to cover it up through the use of, of that alcohol. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you stop using the, the alcohol or the, the drugs or the sex, you know, to, to self-medicate, mm-hmm. well, now what do you have left? Now you have to look at your problems at face value. You have to look at everything and you have to figure out a new way to cope with those issues or to deal with them completely. Yeah. So, uh, one of the things that I, I, I want to break up or bring up just initially is that my, you know, when I, when I left the service, my, my, um, I guess I would still call it a, a jacket. It, it's like your military records or whatever, but, um, my military records still showed, I, you know, I was diagnosed with PTSD, anxiety, um, depression, depression, you know, there, there were several other things that I had been diagnosed with before I left the service that, you know, I was receiving some treatment for, but it really wasn't giving it my full attention. You know? Right. Um, and look, you know, we'll, we'll go, we'll go through some of this, but I, I just want to say, you know, not everything is the same for everybody, right? PTSD manifests differently for many different folks, right? It's not the, you know, waking up, you know, sleeping with a gun under your pillow, you know, it's not a cookie cutter diagnosis. Yeah, it's not a cookie cutter diagnosis. But what it is, is an understanding that you've been through a very traumatic event. You've been through some very traumatic situations and you are dealing with the ramifications of your brain compartmentalizing information that you've, you've yet to really deal with. Right. You haven't processed. So PTSD manifests in many different ways. Um, and for me, it, it just increased my irritability. It increased my aggravation. It caused a lot of sleepless nights um, and many other things. But anyways, so to kind of quantify things here, I, I, I talked to Kinsey before all of this and I asked her just straight up. I said, what are, what, what are some things that you can identify as being the most difficult part of being married to me as a veteran. And she gave me some very good answers. She was very straightforward and honest. And we're going to go over these right now. Okay. So the first one was paranoia. It's paranoia. And why don't you go ahead and, and define what you meant by paranoia? As a family, it's hard for us to go out to big public areas because of the paranoia that you have just because you view the situation differently you view the public differently so we're not able to go out and do as many family activities because of that right so let me just ask you this so they know what is your view on how i view public gatherings big events and stuff like that what what do you mean when you say I'm paranoid. 
Um, I'd say like always, always looking behind your back or like over your shoulder, basically. Always like, guarded, always yeah. situationally aware. I would, I don't know that this necessarily fits, but I would view it as like, you know how like puppies cower in the corner when they're scared? Mm-hmm. Kind of similar to that. That's how I view you as public events. Okay. Well, no, I mean, it's a, it's a fair, it's a fair diagnosis on your part of the issue, right? She calls it paranoia. All right. And, and I can understand that it to an outside perspective. It definitely looks like paranoid behavior Mm -hmm. to a lot of veterans and people who have been in some very intense situations and positions and have been trained for certain situations. There are reasons why we, we like to avoid large gatherings, large crowds. That's something that in, in the business we call a target of opportunity. It is something that someone with ill intent, someone that is looking to kill a bunch of people or hurt a bunch of people they're going to look at these big events and that's going to be the target they're going to want to go for. Mm-hmm. Now I am overly cautious. I got that. I could certainly go and participate in, in these events and everything would probably be fine. Statistically speaking. Right. But my mind goes into overdrive and it goes crazy and it's like alarm bells ringing. You know, I don't have fun because I'm watching everything else that's going on. You know, I'm looking at what other people are doing and it draws my attention away from the focus of the event. Yeah. And instead of enjoying what's going on, you're focused on everything else. Right. And and that makes it difficult. So now here's the first thing that Kenzie's mentioned that already causes a bit of a hardship on our family and and our marriage. It's very difficult for me to sign off on us leaving the house and going to do certain events because of my, um, because of my paranoia, as she put it, you know, my situational awareness and the fact that, you know, it's, it's tough for me to have a good time when I know what the world is like and what people are capable of. And it's, it's difficult to try and explain that to someone who's never seen it or lived it. You know, they understand it to the extent that they can understand it, but they haven't lived it. And so it's really tough. Uh, so going into the second one, the second one was the random aggravation, right? Yeah. Just sometimes little things can upset you greatly than that I may not understand or it might have built up and I've just not realized. So then that one straw on the camel's back just really gets you. Yeah. It, it's, it's tough for me to explain. And I don't know, I don't know the specifics of it, but what I can say is that it happens to a lot of people. It happens to a lot of veterans. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, this is par for the course. And it almost does seem kind of cookie cutter when you start talking about it side by side, because these are a lot of the same symptoms that people show when they have PTSD. They're, you know, overly heightened, overly aware, you know, Um, but the random aggravation or the, you know, the hair trigger, as I, I call it, um, it's definitely not something that is uncommon with people that have PTSD. Right. And you're not an angry person. It just catches you more. I feel like. Yeah, no. And 
so the thing is like, you know, it can be something so small and consequential, something that's not necessarily a big deal, you know, and it can, it can fire me up really quick. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is that I also try to be conscious and in the moment. And when I do realize that, you know, it's happening, I I do try to slow myself down and, and back off of the issue, whatever it is, and try to, you know, calm myself down. Um, but that can be, that can be pretty off putting, right? Yeah. It's definitely troublesome. Yeah. So the other thing that, uh, Kenzie said that, or the third thing that Kenzie said was, um, bothered or burdened by random things, which kind of ties in a little bit to what we were saying before. Yeah. If something bothers you or it has like your undivided attention, like you cannot get past that one thing. You're solely focused on it. For a time. Yeah. And then um, and then it it goes away. Yeah, it passes. But you are right. I, I am like a dog with a bone. It, that's that's the only thing I care about. Right. Um and, and that can be very difficult for Kenzie because it, it goes from being a minor you know, kind of, well, this is really annoying to me all out, you know, like, I don't understand it. I, I, you know, this is, this just doesn't make any sense, you know, and just kind of going full bore Mm -hmm. and, uh, it, it makes her uncomfortable. And I know that I'm aware of that. And I take a lot of cues off of her face now, now more than I used to, but you know, if I see her you know, make a certain face. I can tell, you know, like, Oh, okay. I've, I've, I've taken a turn and I need to stop, you know, Dial it back. maybe walk, walk off and, and recoup. Um, because I, you know, nine times out of 10, the anger is not pointed at her. Right. And I, I totally know that I just sit there and listen to you vent about it. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes that's all you need is to just get it off your chest. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, it's, I don't know how other people do it, but I'm pretty sure people who drive next to me on the roads and stuff probably think I'm crazy because I'm <laughs> sitting there yelling at my steering wheel half the time. Um, and I know traffic and, and you know, <laughs> driving <laughs> is a big stickler for a lot of people. But, you know, for me, I, I go like full rage monster. I'm, I'm, if we I'm ever not go a happy anywhere, person. <laughs> I uh, prefer to drive <laughs> just so that neither one of us have to deal with it yeah well if people you know i <laughs> if people were common and courteous it'd be a different story they're all out there just to get on my nerves that's it <laughs> <laughs> they are all out to get you that's it they they all just want to get on we my nerves we all exist just to annoy the crap out of you exactly <laughs> i mean <laughs> I can't tell you how many times, like I'll be driving either the speed limit or a little bit faster. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And people are like speeding up and going around me and then slow down when they get in front of me. Yeah. Does that not make you want to like run them (laughs) off the road? (laughs) I don't know. I don't, I don't feel the same way, but I don't know. It it makes me want to run It's annoying, but not. (laughs) <laughs> run them off the road <laughs> annoying okay well let me ask you about this one then okay. i went to the store the other day uh-huh. with our youngest and i was you know walking in front of the aisles not down the aisles. so it was like the space where the cash registers were mm-hmm. or the checkout lanes 
and I was walking down and this older lady, I wouldn't say old, but this older lady was coming out of one of the aisles and like, I I was already like halfway through the aisle or past it, Mm -hmm. but she was like coming out of the aisle and she like pushed into that open area, that open space, like right in front of me. Mm -hmm. And she saw me, you know, made eye contact and everything. And then just as cold as she came, she went, she just kept going. She didn't stop. She didn't say, Oh, excuse me. She didn't do anything. Does that not frustrate you? It's frustrating. Yes. But I, yeah, I wanted to take her outside and slam (laughs) dunk her on the pavement. I know. And I just think maybe I just have a higher tolerance Maybe so. Maybe my tolerance is just worn thin. <laughs> but I I am able to brush things off more easily. Yeah, well. I don't dwell on them like you happen to. I mean, I dwell on it for a time. I even told Rayleigh, I was like, that was really rude. Yeah. And she was like, what? <laughs> she didn't even pay attention. She didn't <laughs> she even know what was going on. She was, too, she was too focused on riding the shopping cart <laughs> and looking at whatever I had in the basket. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I th- those are the things that, that really kind of aggravate me. It's just the lack of common decency, the lack of common courtesy period. Yeah. Anywhere. It, it's, it, it's super annoying. And I just personally, I'd rather not deal with it. Yeah. It's just too stressful for me because it's just, it's disrespectful plain out. It's disrespectful. If I were, I, I would have gladly let that lady go mm-hmm. had she just, you know, looked at me and been like, Oh, sorry. You know, yeah. You know, give me that little, that little look, that little apologetic, like, oh, my bad. I, I'm not trying to run you over on purpose. Right. You know, anyways, let's get past that. <laughs> <laughs> We're kind of proving my point here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still on it. <laughs> um, all right. And so the last thing that you brought up was restlessness. Yeah. When you can't sleep at night, I don't get any sleep either. So how often are we talking? I don't know. Occasionally I can sleep through it but it's closer to every night than it is not yeah does that make sense yeah no it does because i'm restless and i know when you move (laughs) yeah so yeah no um nighttime is nighttime is the worst and i have some theories on it and they're not just theories I, i think they've been kind of proven in practice as well you know uh nighttime is is the point in time which your brain is trying to compartmentalize and, and work through, you know, images of the day and, and thoughts and memories and all sorts of stuff. And so um, it's not uncommon for things that have been compartmentalized, stressful events that have not been dealt with mm-hmm. to kind of be left in limbo. And at night your brain's like, well, let's, let's take a peek at this now. Let's look <laughs> at it now. Remember this time that you don't want to remember? Here it is. <laughs> it's it's like your brain's like, I, I need to find a place to file it, dude. Just do something with it. Just let me know. Mm-hmm. Just yes or no. I thought me ignoring it was good enough. No. Obviously not. So at night I, I, have, um, I have a lot of trouble sleeping. I'm also hyper aware of everything that's going on. I can't sleep if I don't have a fan or some sort of white noise going in the room. Kind of drown out anything else. Yeah, to drown out noises from outside. Uh, Here where we live in Colorado, we don't have AC in the house, Mm -mm. which to some of you, this might sound crazy, but um, they they just don't build it standard here on these houses. So during the summertime or, you know, the springtime, we open the window and 
so you have the sounds from outside, you know, you, you have all sorts of things going on and just my hypervigilance, it just, it snaps me. Yeah. You know, if, if I hear anything, it's a sudden wake up call. Um, so there are a lot of things that happen during the periods where I'm supposed to be sleeping that don't allow me to sleep. And I, I track my sleep with my, with my smartwatch. Um, and right now I, I'm averaging about three and a half, maybe four hours of sleep a night. Maybe. Restful or is that it? That's what they call restful sleep. Yeah. And that's just based on movements. Mm-hmm. But, um, anyways, you know, so sleep takes a big hit. And, and as I don't know if maybe you guys do know this or don't know this, I'm hoping that we're all adults and we do know this, but <laughs> sleep is a big deal. If you're, if you're not rested, if you're not getting enough restful sleep, your body is going to be at a deficit to begin with as you start your day. Yeah. So if you're waking up, you're tired and you're groggy and you're just not feeling rested, something's not right. You're not getting the right kind of sleep. There are many different factors that can affect somebody's sleep. Um, the most common being some form of sleep apnea. But for people who have PTSD and, and anxiety and, and depression and the and the works, um, it, it could just be to the situations that you've yet to hash out and deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that being considered, you know, Kenzie and I have only scratched the surface, so to speak, talking about my military service and, and things that I've had to deal with. And the reason is I, I try to keep a lot of that burden off of her shoulders. Right. And that's kind of selfish. Yeah. We had a nice old talk about it the other day. Yeah. About how I'd rather him not try and take on all of his own burden himself. Yeah, I am here to help. And and that, that is greatly understood. And I think that's something that is common. Mm-hmm. You know, one person or, or another or both are trying to save their spouse a lot of extra stress and grief and, and heartache or whatever, extra burden. Mm-hmm. And so they hide things or they don't talk about things. They, they try to keep things internalized and it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, they keep it, it to themselves. You you keep it inside. You don't deal with it, and eventually things just stack up. And one day you blow your top. Right. And you're saying things that you don't mean. You know, you're you're calling your wife names or your husband names, or you know, you're doing all the things that you're not supposed to do. And it's out of a moment of just absolute explosive emotion. Emotion. There you go. So. Kenzie and I, we had, we had our own personal conversation the other day, which is really what kind of led to us having this, this episode, uh, be for veterans and first responders. Now I can't speak, like I said, I can't speak to the whole perspective of a first responder. Right. I've we never just... been a firefighter. I've never been a police officer. I've never worked as an EMT, EMS, never worked in a, you know, hospital. Mm-hmm. We just so, imagine anywhere where you might deal with death on a daily basis. Right. Or, or very, very stressful situations. I mean, mm-hmm. really post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. I mean, it, it could just be things that are, are well outside of your purview and it just, it hits you really hard in a way that you didn't expect. And now, now you're left trying to deal with the aftermath. Right. 
So, you know, really I am speaking from my own personal experience, but I, again, like Kenzie said, I believe that this is applicable to all of those occupations and more. there's plenty of things out there that maybe I didn't even touch on or cover, but anybody who deals with high stress jobs, high stress environments, you know, that are, are, are dealing with things that they, they, you know, may not know how to process or, you know, deal with precisely. I mean, these are, these are some of the some of the fallout that you may have to deal with. And for Kinsey and I, it's been a lot of figuring it out as we go. Yeah. She has, she's been absolutely graceful about this entire ordeal. And I will say this until my dying day. I'm not an easy person to live with. I'm not an easy person to get along with. And the fact that she not only vowed to do so for the rest of her life, but she seemingly enjoys it from time to time. (laughs) It's amazing. It it blows my mind. And she is, like I said, she is the most graceful person. She is the most caring, loving, helpful individual I've, I've ever met in my entire life. She is always, always asking me how she can help me out, how she can make things better, how she can make things easier on me so that I don't have to have so much stress or anxiety. She's always looking for ways to try and help me out. And I appreciate it every single day, whether I say it or not, and I should more often, but whether I say it or not, I appreciate everything that you do for me and the way that you take care of me. You really shouldn't say this while I'm pregnant because I'll start crying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just letting you know. Uh, she's she's put up with she's put up with a lot, and a lot of it has been my inability to come to terms with my own feelings, my own inability to articulate the things that are happening happening inside of me. And I think me trying to push to understand you better also helps you actually look at yourself trying to understand yourself better it does i mean really what it takes is a kick in the butt it takes somebody somebody that you care about enough saying that you need to fix something for you to really take the time and do some introspection and and really look at yourself and that's what it took for me it took it took me just falling completely and then having somebody help me back up with so much grace and, and poise and just being a great person and lifting me back up and saying, you know what, you can do this and we're going to do it together and we're going to figure it out. And it doesn't matter how long it takes or how hard it is. We're going to do it. And I think that's important for any spouse of a veteran or a first responder or anybody like that is to just be overly supportive to always be there to always be understanding to just be gentle in all of it there's there's a lot to it and and look not everybody is going to be ready to pour their heart out right i think it's a uh, process it it definitely is a process and and it's a process that i liken to someone who is abusing drugs alcohol whatever it is and you know people come together and they they have an intervention Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, your behaviors X, Y, and Z are negatively affecting my life. Mm-hmm. 
And a lot of times, you know, when people are ambushed or they don't feel that they have a problem or they can't see that they have a problem, they're, they're not going to be so open and willing to change. Right. And that can be, I mean, that can be a disaster. But like Kenzie said, it takes, it takes a special kind of person to sit down and care and love somebody, even when it hurts, even when they can't see the damage that they're doing to themselves and to everyone else around them. It's tough. Mm-hmm. But in a marriage, you know, a marriage is till death do you part. You know, there are many difficult circumstances that are going to come your way. There are many things that are going to try to tear you apart and pull you apart. Don't let one of those things be your pride, your ego, whatever it is. If, if you're having a tough time processing something, if you're, if you're overly stressed, if you're dealing with PTSD or anxiety and depression, don't just sit on it. Don't just, don't just let it be open up and talk about it. Seek help. There are plenty of programs out there. There are plenty of people out there that are willing to work with you that are going to help you fight through it. They're going to get you to where you need to be and they're going to show you how to do it on your own. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the entire premise of therapy in the first place. It's not to give you the answer it's to show you how to take everything that you already have and get to the answer yourself. There is an epidemic of veterans and first responders out there that are committing suicide. They're killing themselves in exorbitant rates and it's tough for me to understand why, but then again, it's not right. It's, it's hell some days. It's very difficult to deal with some of these feelings and emotions and some of the pain, the thoughts and the memories that cross your mind, the loss that you've, you've endured, mm-hmm. you know, the things that are unexplainable that you can't put into words and explain to anybody else. And it may not even make sense to them. If even if you did, you almost feel alone. You almost feel like there's nobody out there that's willing to, to work for you or fight for you or listen to you. But there is, there are plenty of people out there that are willing to do all of those things and not because they're told to do it, but because they, they truly desire to do it. They want to help. They yeah. want to help you change. That's a genuine, but being a spouse, uh, being married to somebody who is a veteran or first responder is it's not easy. Just, Putting it plainly, it's not easy. There is a large time requirement that is that is going to eat away at time that could be spent together. Mm-hmm. I know I was, you know, we, we would go out on training exercises for two weeks at a time. We had training exercises that would last 30 days. We had training exercises that would take us away for months. We had deployments that would take us away for an entire year. You know, I mean, it's a difficult life. Everybody, everybody suffers. Everybody, everybody goes through it. Mm-hmm. And um, the effects are is that, you know, the, the soldiers out there on the front lines, the, the ones out there who are dealing with, you know, the civilian population, the police officers, you know, the firefighters who are, are always at risk of, you know, going into a fire and possibly never coming back out. It's high stress. And you, you carry all of that baggage with you, you bring it home. And the one thing you don't want to do is you don't, you don't want to just dump it on your family. You know, so a lot of us, a lot of us feel or have felt at some point in time that we just, 
we didn't, we don't have anybody to turn to, or there's no way that we can get this monkey off her back. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've dealt with a lot of it. And I think, like I told you the other day, you know, we were standing in the kitchen and we were having that conversation. You know, there are, there are a lot of tough days where you, you may have some seriously dark thoughts. You may have some seriously dark, crazy, twisted thoughts that you, you may harm yourself. You know, you may kill yourself. There are days where it just, it crosses your mind and it's not easy, you know, to deal with that kind of stuff, but it makes it easier when first of all, you you're prepared to make a change and you're examining yourself. You're looking at your life. You're looking at all the different things that you can change about yourself for the better. And you're committed to doing so. It also helps when you have a spouse who is extremely overly supportive and they're willing to do whatever it takes to kick you in the pants and help you get where you need to go. Well, and to help you to start communicating those issues. Which is a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, these are, these are the things that I've had to deal with. Um, there, there are other things that I'm sure Kenzie, if she thought about it real hard, she could add to the list, but you know, this is, this is what it looks like. It's not glamorous. It's not just this perfect life, you know, white picket fence and you know, a little golden retriever dog and <laughs> two little kids running around the yard. No, it, it's, it's, it's rough. It's hard work, but any marriage can carry baggage and it can, you know, it, it can be rough. Communication is certainly the key. And, and this is really what it boils down to. Here's the message of the day. Communication is a conscious decision. You have to make the effort to speak plainly, to speak openly, to speak the truth mm-hmm. to your spouse. Your spouse has got to be understanding. An understanding. They have to actively listen, mm-hmm. actively listen, listen, which is different than just plain listening. Right. If I'm speaking and Kenzie's just listening to what I'm saying. She's not engaging. When she asks probing questions or she asks questions to help move the conversation along or she nods and she makes eye contact, her, her verbal signals and her, um, undivided attention, undivided attention. And, you know, all of those different aspects contribute to the act of listening. You need to be fully invested in the conversation and you need to be prepared to, to just listen, just be an ear so that they can vent. There are times where I, I just want to talk and I don't need anybody to say anything. I just need to get some stuff off my chest. And sometimes that's all it takes. I feel better afterwards, you know? Yeah. But conversations and marriage, standard communication format, which is going to be, you know, open, honest, no judgment. Let's all, let's all just, let's take care of each other. Yeah. You know, if, if I can't be of an open mind and listen to you tell me what issues and problems that you're having, and I can't be openly receptive of those things, then there's, there's something seriously wrong. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not being as fully invested in this marriage as I should be. So I I do want to say um, a, a big shout out and thank you to any of our first responders, veterans out there, anybody who is serving in the military currently, 
um, or is working those difficult jobs, firefighter, police officer, if you're working in the hospitals, uh, especially right now during these very tumultuous times, if, you, if you're doing those jobs, thank you from the bottom of our heart. Um, and also thank you to those spouses who are supporting those people. Absolutely. And we're not leaving out the spouses, but you know, the family as a whole, we understand the cost, we understand the price and, uh, it, it does not go unnoticed. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to, uh, Richie Tebow out there. <laughs> He's, uh, one of the, um, admins for our Facebook group. But this guy, he's got a pretty outstanding story. And I, I know for a fact he is a firefighter currently. So he's a good, good buddy of mine. We uh, we were both in the infantry together and uh, deployed to Afghanistan together. Man's got an amazing story. And uh, I'll have to communicate with him, see if he'll do a show with this. Yeah, tell us his, <laughs> his amazing story and, and testimony. It's pretty cool. Um, but you know, shout out to him, shout out to everybody else. Um, I mean, marriage is not easy. It's not, it's not easy. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of dedication. It takes a a very massive investment. That's the word I was going to say too. Huh? (laughs) I was going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, the more we, the more we work at it, the more that we invest into our marriages, the more time that we spend working on our marriages and, and really listening to this podcast and doing this podcast are all part of that investment. The more that we do as far as the research for these shows, it helps us, Mm -hmm. you know, the more that, you know, you guys listen to and the feedback that you give, putting um, in the work, putting in the work, it's, it's on you, you know, And, and we can't tell you what to do. All we can do is simply you know, we, we can speak the words and hope, hope that those words are falling on, on good soil and that they take root and that you guys nurture those, those things and that you, you know, they become fruitful in your lives. Um, that's our only goal. And so for me that that's really it. I just, you know, I wanted to share my experience, my story. Um, I know I didn't go into a lot of full detail. I just, you know, I, I want to be real careful with what I say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do appreciate all of the the love and support. And uh, that's it for me. Kenzie, what, what else do you got before we close this out? That's all. Love one another. Love one another. Communicate. Soft touches. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's it for us. I think we are going to uh, go ahead and uh, close this out. But we do want to say again, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for supporting us. And as always, have a blessed evening. And we'll see you next time. Or you'll hear us next time. Yeah, you'll hear us next time. You'll hear us next time.